Hello, and welcome to the 41st episode of the LI Law Podcast. I am your host, Sahava Schechter. The premise of this podcast is to feature issues, developments, and topics affecting the law and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. If you live or work on Long Island, this podcast on local and state legislative and judicial decisions is for you. Our guest on this 41st episode is Mariana Matura Esquire, an attorney who concentrates her practice in labor and employment law on the employee's side. Please check out the show notes for a full list of Mariana Matura's credentials and contact information. Please also keep in mind that we will not be providing legal advice to any specific questions. Mariana, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Excited to be here. So please tell us about yourself. How did you come to work in labor and employment law? I guess like every attorney, you know, I started off when I was younger, probably, and I like to argue with my parents, and they would always say, you should really be an attorney. <laughs> um, and it sort of stemmed from there. You know, in high school, I was part of the speech and debate uh, club. And then in college, I went to Cornell at the College of Industrial and Labor Relations. And in the employment world, a lot of the mediators and a lot of the attorneys are graduates and alumni of ILR. And the curriculum at ILR is really focused on employee employment employment law. Um, there's mediation program, there are classes on arbitration, and there's a class on collective bargaining of uh, uh, employment contracts and union collective bargaining agreements. And it was really a wonderful program and it gave me a lot of practical skills. It also definitely pigeonholed my resume going forward. I went to, to law school and a, a large majority of the ILR graduates do go to law school. And while I was in law school applying to internships and then eventually job full-time positions, I was I was not necessarily certain I wanted to do employment law, but the employment attorneys and firms were more interested in my, in my resume as a result of my ILR background. But it turns out it was really a perfect fit for me. Um, I love that I'm on the employee side. Um, we, we call the other side the dark side um, right we 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 help people um, we help people who are workers just just like everyone you know right we help them get back their wages that they worked for and were underpaid or not paid at all for um, we help individuals who are in their time of need after they've been discriminated in the workplace treated differently uh, subjected to sexual harassment or a hostile work environment and you know with those types of clients it's particularly sensitive because they come to us really when they feel they have no place else left to go. And we get to know our clients um, as individuals. And at the end of the case, uh, you know, I get to hand somebody a check in best case scenario. And, you know, I've had clients who are everything from high-end executives to undocumented workers who those checks mean a lot. You know, they, they help them pay their bills that they have been unable to pay as a result of being underpaid uh, or they get it gives them some sense of closure a lot of, uh, in, you know, in a lot of instances, especially with the harassment and discrimination cases. Okay. And Mariana, could you talk a bit about New York State's requirement for employers to provide sexual harassment and discrimination training to employees. What do they have to do and, and what should employees be aware of in terms of their rights? Sure, so the training is the new requirement in, in New York State, it never previously uh, was required. And now it doesn't, you know, the requirements are across the board for all employers. New York is kind of behind the, it, it was, 
it was California was always the state to sort of lead um, with regards to rights for employees. But now New York is becoming sort of the new California when it comes to uh, employment rights and employee rights. And the sexual harassment training is really the forefront of, of that new legislation. The the training that is required is previously small employers could get away with not having to train. Um, now, if you have one employee, you are required to provide that training. So the requirements regarding the training are going to be different depending on whether or not you're in Manhattan or New York City, uh, one of the five boroughs or not. So Mariana, what are some tips you would give our listeners who are employed and are concerned maybe they're not being paid the appropriate wage? So I, I definitely have three main tips that I, I like to give employees who are concerned about the wage, not receiving the correct wages. The first is with regards to overtime, your entitlement and right to get overtime wages does not have anything to do uh, with whether or not you're paid an hourly or a salaried. It is a completely duties-based test. So the the question that you should be asking is, well, you know, do I really have autonomy in what I'm doing? Am I really that important? Or am I just following a template that the employer provided me and going through the motions? If that if that's the case, or if you have a question about that, you should definitely inquire uh, with an attorney. I would say over 50% of the failure to pay overtime cases that come through the door do not start off with someone asking me, I should have gotten paid overtime. They start off with someone saying, I think I was terminated improperly or against the law. You know, it was definitely an unlawful termination. And we go through it, and then I collect a little bit more information. I was like, well, what were you doing there? You know, what were your day-to-day duties? Not just what was your your title. Because employers these days just give titles. I mean, they create titles. They, they create uh, five different titles for the same job pr- duties or tasks that the em- an employee is doing um, to make people feel like they got a promotion or to make people feel like, you know, they're more valued. So we're going to, you're going to go from associate to, you know, a senior associate, but really you're doing the same thing. So it sounds like a promotion with no raise. But it sounds like good. it's good for you, so you may not realize that, in fact, you are still entitled to overtime. Sometimes it doesn't even come with a raise. <laughs> um, but, yeah, occasionally it does come with a raise, maybe $5,000, $6,000. The amount of additional tasks that are required of you and the overtime that, that is going to be generated from that different title um, can frequently be very significant. So if you are being paid a salary, don't be so sure that you shouldn't be getting getting paid on an hourly basis. You know, you also can't agree to get an and a salary versus being paid hourly with the overtime. Uh, employers love to play, pay people a salary because it avoids the overtime issue. Um, and when a you mean a expense. salary, you mean a flat amount, like like your salary is X dollars this week or this month or this year. Correct. It's typically, p- typically, it's presented by employers as you're getting paid $50,000 for the year. And that's going to be a fixed amount that you're going to get on a weekly basis. But then is that person exempt or not exempt? It depends on what their duties are. Okay. So typically, when an employer is going to pay somebody a salary, they're going to consider them exempt from overtime. And the person's going to, the employee is going to come and say, well, you know, I'm working all these, you know, I'm, I have to take these calls on the weekends. Um, you're making me fulfill these call, these quotas that you can't fulfill in a 40-hour work week. I'm staying after, you know I'm staying after, you're encouraging me to stay after because my 
dinner's paid for at six o'clock. I can take an Uber home on the company. If I leave after seven, everyone knows we're working late. You know, you tell me I can't get paid the overtime because, oh, you're a salaried employee. And the great thing about the, these, the laws with regards to overtime is that the duty and the burden is really on the employer. You do not have any burden as an employee to prove that, you know, you work those overtime. It's the employer's duty to keep those records. So a lot of people come to me and they say, well, I really think I should have been paid overtime, but I don't work there anymore. I don't have the documents. I don't know how I'd prove it. The duty and the uh, th- that the law puts on on the sides in these cases or is completely on the employer. It's a very employee friendly law. Um, so if you have a question about it, definitely give a call. And, and is this state law, county law? This is federal law and New York State. And New York State is probably one of the best states that you can be an employee in when it comes to the failure to pay overtime. The federal law goes back three years and the New York State law goes back six years. So we're talking about any job you could have worked from now until six years back. But let me ask you, isn't New York State an at-will employment state? So you don't even have to have a reason to, to fire an employer or to let an employee go as an employer? Or am I incorrect? No, that's that's completely correct. You in New York State, we are at will employee, but that doesn't change the analysis for whether or not you're entitled to overtime. So, um, you know, unless you have a contract of employment, which most employees don't, or unless you are a union employee, which most employees are not, um, you are considered at will. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't necessarily be paid overtime. Okay, so the next pointer that I give to employees is that if you feel that something is not right, you should definitely make a complaint and raise it with the employer. And if you feel more, you know, different different work environments are different as to how complaints are raised, right? Some larger employers are going to have the channel set up to go through um, either HR or a specific manager. And a lot of times those channels and, and the methods that you should be used can be included in your employee handbook and should be included in your employee handbook. So if you have a question about, if you have a question about that uh, and you're unsure, go to your employee handbook and see how complaints should be raised. So I want to ask you a question about retribution because I think maybe some some employees might be afraid of raising a complaint. And in one particular recent instance, someone contacted me about sexual harassment and discrimination that she's receiving on the job. And she's afraid to complain about her supervisor, who has already cut her hours due to her lack of response to his overtures. And she's afraid of being fired altogether. So while it sounds good to make the complaint, Is there any protection for an employee who makes a complaint to HR and then uh, receives some kind of punishment or penalty from the supervisor? Absolutely. These types of claims are considered to be retaliation under the law. And you have retaliation protections for both making complaints about failing to get paid the correct wages, meaning overtime or minimum wage, as well as making a complaint for either discrimination or sexual harassment. And retaliation comes in all different forms. We see everything from flat out termination to decrease in hour, decrease in pay, change of primary duties, change of your office location. Employers can get very creative with the type of retaliation that that they enforce, being excluded from emails, being excluded from uh, meetings within the office that are necessary for you to be a part of in order to complete your duties. These are all types of retaliatory acts that we frequently see. However, those you do have a claim, you are protected under the law for bringing a complaint. The issue with 
uh, being able to bring those claims is frequently people forget to document their initial complaint in some way, shape, or form. And it is a he said, she said. So unlike the wage and hour cases, the burden in these cases for discrimination or harassment and really primarily on the employee initially to prove that the underlying harassment or discrimination is occurring in the way that that your burden of proof can frequently be more easily fulfilled is by showing, hey, by the way, remember I, you know, send a text message saying, as we discussed, I really feel uncomfortable how this person is treating me. I feel like I'm not being treated as fairly because I'm a woman or because of my race or because of my national origin, religion. These are the protected categories that the federal and state law will protect in addition to other protected categories and classes of individuals. Frequently, the employer will say, it had nothing to do with that complaint. In fact, we never even got a complaint about that, right? Or we're not retaliating against her, discriminating against her because she's pregnant. It had nothing to do. We had no knowledge of that, that issue. But if you document that complaint, then you are going to have a very strong retaliation claim, especially if the temporal proximity between the complaint and the retaliatory behavior and the adverse action is small in scope. So when you say to document a complaint, do you mean to submit that to HR or is it sufficient if I just keep a diary of everything happening and then I have it for my case later on? Right. You don't necessarily have to go to HR. An email, I would prefer to the employee just to follow up on the conversation, dot, 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 whatever it was that that was discussed. Frequently also we'll see employees afraid to really broach the topic of it was sexual harassment or it was race discrimination. And they say, oh, you know, I don't like that or something, you know, very vague. You shouldn't be afraid to say what's going on. You have a right as an employee to be to go, go to work every day and not be treated differently as a result of the fact that you're a part of a protected class. And, and, and you should not feel bad about that. And if you feel that there is an issue, you have protections if you voice those complaints. And Mariana, could you talk to our listeners about the current uh, minimum wage, both on Long Island as well as in Brooklyn and Queens? And uh, what they should know to make sure they're accepting or receiving the correct uh, salary. Right. So for minimum wage workers, individuals who are earning the minimum wage, um, whether you're a car wash worker or a nail salon, a waiter or a busser, um, the w- minimum wage in the state of New York has has increased. And it has increased dependent on where you are located, where, where your job is located, I should say. So right now in Long Island, uh, for a regular minimum wage worker, the minimum wage is $13 an hour starting in 2020. If you are in New York City, um, you're going to be at $15 an hour. There are further differences in the minimum wage, whether dependent on whether you are a, a food service worker, such as a waiter or busser, uh, or a tipped employee, like a car wash worker. And we do have that information on our, on our website because the nuances to that can, can get a little tricky. One thing that's interesting about, I would just say the tipped minimum wage worker, such as a waiter, for example. Just because you're a waiter doesn't mean you automatically get the reduced minimum wage, which right now in Long Island is $10.85 an hour. It requires that for each hour you worked in that week, that your tips that you received will bring you up 
to the regular minimum wage before the employer gets the benefit of paying you the reduced minimum wage. So there's a burden and a lot of employers are not doing that properly and they're not documenting exactly how much tips you get each week. And there are a lot of weeks where the restaurants are slow. There are a lot of weeks where people get very minimum tips, it's even at a car wash. You know, any, any tip industry is going to have busy seasons, busy weeks, busier days of the week than, than other days of the week. And the employers frequently just assume, ah, eh, they're a waiter. They get the reduced minimum wage. That's not the case. You really need to be tracking your tips, how much you're getting in tips, and they should be asking you how much you're getting and tracking that as well to confirm they don't need to pay the increase increased minimum wage to you. Okay, thank you. And Marianne, and now we're, we're going to move on to a segment called What is on Your Desk? A recent matter which you can use to, t- to illustrate a teachable legal moment to the listeners. So Marianna, what's on your desk? Sure. So we recently just got the checks paid out to callers who worked for a company called ZocDoc. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with ZocDoc? Have you ever used it? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm, I'm, I obviously don't work for ZocDoc since we just sued them. But people love, you know, people, it's a service that a lot of people use, especially in the city and around the country. Um, that's an online platform. You, I guess you, you put your ins- medical insurance into it and where you're located and it pops out to you what doctors are within your plan, right? But in order for for um, doctors to get on to the system, ZocDoc employed these in-house salespeople, associates, who um, reported to their office every day in Manhattan and had to make calls. And they were they were assigned sections of the country, um, and they were callers, you know, calling doctors' offices saying, "Hey, this is a great way to get more patients." let's onboard you for our product. And they had quotas that they had to meet each day and each week as to how many doctors they had to call. And they would get a salary for doing this work, which was very scripted work. And then they would get an additional commission for for doing the onboarding. So a lot of times people feel like, oh, well, you know, I'm almost making $75,000. I shouldn't get paid overtime, right? Not the case. Again, um, you know, ZocDoc was a settled matter. And it started with just one, you know, one woman calling me to say, you know, she feels like she should have gotten paid her overtime. And it ended up being a resolution on behalf of over 150 individuals who worked at ZocDoc's Manhattan office. Um, and it settled for $1.395 million. So, you know, we got a significant uh, settlement there. And these cases are, are going around all across industries and restaurants and in representatives, sales representatives. That you, you just see it across the board where the employer is paying this salary, doesn't want to get paid, doesn't want to pay the overtime. And employees don't take that next action of asking, well, shouldn't I really get be paying overtime, you know, and calling an attorney to run through what they do on a day-to-day basis to see if they are actually entitled to that overtime. And now we're going to move on to a segment called Rest in Peace. Someone you know who has recently passed here on Long Island and who made a great contribution to our community. I'd like to sort of dedicate this portion of it to my my cousin, my first cousin, Tony Mirakov, who just recently passed um, unexpectedly. He was a phenomenal person and uh, a wonderful uh, member of his community. He was the president of the men's club at his local church at St. Mel's in Whitestone, Queens. Uh, When his children were younger, they were avid sports players. They were soccer players, and there wasn't really a, a soccer league for them, so he went to St. Mel's and 
said, let's get this going for the kids in the community. And he did. And it is still going on today. This is going to be, they're about 24, 25 now. So 15 years ago. Um, and I believe that at, at his funeral, the, the priest mentioned that they just, the women, the girls on the uh, league just won their, one of the champions. So championships. So just an amazing guy all around, someone who gave back to his community, volunteered um, frequently, and uh, he is definitely missed by us all. Okay, thank you. And Mariana, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? If you feel like you're being mistreated at work or not being paid properly, give us a call. Our cons- consultations are free. You really you really should figure it out sooner than later. Um, they are also confidential. If you don't want to pursue a case, you don't have to. Um, but I always tell people, it's better to know your rights than to not know what they are. You don't want to wait for the statute of limitations to pass to figure out, oh, wait, I should have gotten money for that, and now it's too late. So give us a call. We're happy, and there's always an att- happy to speak to you. Um, our attorneys uh, here and our staff speak English and Spanish as well. Very good. And Mariana's uh, complete co- uh, contact information is in the show notes. So please look at the show notes so you can contact her by either telephone or email. And that's it for our 41st episode. Thank you so much, Mariana Matura, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. And to our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you are there, you might rate us with a review that could start. I just heard on the LI Law podcast that the Behavioral Health Center in Rockville Center, an outpatient clinic sponsored by five school districts to help young people deal with mental health issues, including suicide, has now opened and is being operated by Northwell Health. Teen suicide is now the second leading cause of death among teenagers and children as young as 10 years. A child psychiatrist and licensed mental health counselor will provide assessment, counseling, and referrals for young people in crisis, as well as those struggling with ADHD, anxiety, depression, and autism. The LI Law Podcast lets you know what's going on on Long Island and is your podcast for local tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.